Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, and welcome to the Rookie Chef podcast with me, Nadia Zirfat, where I'll be interviewing some brilliant chefs about their exceptional recipes. We did this recording at home, so sometimes the audio quality might not be what we would expect in the studio. This week, I'm joined by food stylist, recipe writer, and former Great British Bake Off finalist, Benjamina Abwehi, and we're going to be discussing donuts. Hello, Benjamina. How are you today? Hey, Nadia. I am good. I am excited to talk about donuts. So am I. I've been thinking about it all week, honestly. So (laughs) the first question I have for you, normally I ask guests to give me a lowdown of what the topic is exactly, but I'm sure everyone listening knows what a donut is. So what would you say are the essential ingredients for donut dough? Donut dough. So standard is your flour. That's, you know, can't have a donut without flour. Um, your milk, sugar, butter, um, yeast. If you want your donuts to rise, you're going to need some yeast. So that is, uh, yeah, important. Um, and then any kind of other flavourings that you want. So flavourings for your filling or flavourings for your dough. Um, after, yeah, after the kind of essentials, it's up to you to just go wild. Side where you want to go with it, yeah. Yeah, so anywhere you, you want. You mentioned yeast. How much time, obviously with yeast, you need to allow the dough to rise and, you know, there's that whole process. So how much time would you say you need to set aside in your day if you're planning on making donuts? It really does depend. So if you're making donuts in like summertime, your kitchen's warm, it's toasty, it's going to be so much faster, like your dough's going to rise a lot faster than if you're making it like now, it's a bit cooler, um, your kitchen's a bit frosty, um, your dough can take maybe double, three times the amount of time to rise. So anything from about, um, like in summer, it can be as quick as like 40 minutes to an hour to rise if it's really warm. But winter, it could be a couple of hours just to kind of get to the same size. Yeah, that's something I've noticed a lot recently because I've been sort of trying to bake a lot more. And when I've been making bread, which I, I did say a few times in summer, and I'm I'm really impatient when it comes to baking and it just takes so much longer to rise. I'm just standing there watching it, You're waiting like, to see you it You need double. something else to do. Yeah. To- take your mind off of it and then it just goes so much faster exactly so basically if you're impatient make donuts in summer (laughs) yes so when you're working with donut dough itself are there some top tips and essential things you need to remember with it Mm, I think with donut dough and there's a lot of kneading involved um of course and I think kneading can scare a lot of people sometimes you're like knead for 10 minutes and it's like oh my gosh oh what am I supposed to do and um when a recipe says like need for 10 minutes it can feel a lot, people tend to under need because they feel like oh, I've been doing this for ages it must be 10 minutes but I always just recommend just putting a timer on just as a rough guide it might take a lot less it might take a lot longer but just so you've got some kind of ballpark because it's really easy to think that you've been needing for hours and it's been like three minutes and you're like oh my gosh I've started put, <laughs> putting timers on and I'm watching the timer whilst I'm kneading and I'm thinking how have I only been doing this for two minutes but yeah, what, what does yeah. kneading do for the dough how does it affect the end result 
So with kneading, you're developing the gluten structure in the bread and that's going to give um, your bread structure. It's going to let it rise properly. And so you really want to take time to kind of develop that. When you first start kneading, you're going to notice the dough is really like lumpy, shaggy. It breaks apart really easily. And then the longer you knead it, the softer it gets, the smoother it gets, more elastic it gets. And that's kind of what you're um, looking for. So sometimes it's not you want to be aware of the time that it's taking you, but also you're looking at what's in your hand and that kind of is a better indication of when you should stop so it's going to go from really lumpy and then it will eventually get smooth and like just really nice in your house yeah so would you say time is more something that's put in recipes for beginners but you for example who's made dough and you know done the kneading process quite a few times you can tell more by eye and by feel when it's when it's ready yeah totally I think the time is a good guide when you're first starting out just to kind of give you an idea of this should take x amount of time but the more you do it the more you practice the more you can just kind of feel your way and it should the more practice you get needing you probably um your technique will improve you can do it a lot more efficiently or you could just put it in a mixer which is also if you have one very very helpful for dough just stick it in there and let it do its thing but um it is always nice to do it by hand just so you know what it should feel like as well yeah i've been i've been eyeing up a mixer recently and it's sort of do i don't i would you say it's an essential piece of kitchen kit for you i love my mixer and now i like when i got first got one i was like how did i do anything by hand like <laughs> don't say this you're gonna make me take how the was i living? <laughs> was like how was i living <laughs> without it i mean it's it's definitely very very helpful um, it allows you to do something else while something's in your mixer, if you've got a lot going on. Um, and yeah, things like kneading when you're doing it for a while, it is a massive help just to stick it in there and let it do its thing. But it's you can still make things without mixers, for sure. Before mixers were invented, people were making things all the time. So it's not like if you don't have one, you can't bake at all. It's just it just helps. So it's not it's not essential, but it's helpful. Very, very helpful. If you, if you know you're going to be baking quite a lot, it's something that maybe you should consider investing in. So on the topic of essential kitchen kit, donuts are typically deep fried, right? And you can do that in a saucepan with oil. Yeah. Is, is, or is that how you do it? Or do you have a deep fryer? Or mm, I just do it in a big pot. I think I've toyed about with getting a deep fryer and I just thought, I just have a lot of equipment already. <laughs> like I have a lot already. And I just thought deep fryer, uh, you you can make perfectly good donuts in just a large saucepan. Make sure it's got like high sides so it's not too shallow. Um, get yourself a thermometer, which is quite inexpensive, and you can totally just do it old fashioned way. Yeah. Would you say frying is, is worth the effort? Because I have seen some baked donut recipes and there are different ways of doing it, but um, I mean if you're gonna have a donut fry it, it right, yeah. <laughs> is what I'm because yeah. you don't have donuts you're not going to have donuts every single day yeah and if you're going to go through all that effort of kneading making your filling letting it rise doing all of that you've just got to you got to you just got to fry it in my opinion. that's my philosophy too if you're going to have a treat do it right do definitely it right. yeah but what what effect and what sort of end result would you say frying gives a donut that bake baking doesn't Frying, I think, first of all, just flavour. I think things fried in oil, you just got that nice, you know, deep fried flavour. My favourite things are fried in oil. It's you just, know, it's fried chicken, chips, oh. like things tend to taste better when they are deep fried. But also texture as well. You get that nice kind of crispy exterior when you fry that you don't necessarily get um, when you bake it, um, which I prefer 
Um, I think with baking, it can feel a little bit more dense sometimes. It isn't really because frying, you've got that immediate hot heat just encasing it. And with baking, it's a little bit slower. Um, so I find donuts are a bit fluffier when they've been when they've been fried. Um, so with deep frying, what are some top tips that you feel like people should know and should keep in mind when they're making their donuts? Temperature is the biggest factor with frying. If it's too hot, your donuts are going to burn on the outside. You're going to take them out and it's going to be raw in the middle, which is just an absolute pain. If the oil's too low, then it's just going to start soaking up all the oil and not get that kind of nice. It's just going to be basically oil logged, essentially, um, and take a bit longer to cook. So temperature is, I think, the number one um, thing to be aware of when you're deep frying donuts or deep frying anything. And so getting investing in um, a thermometer is something that I would strongly recommend if you're deep frying anything just to you can sometimes gauge roughly and like control the heat and turn it up and down if you've not got one. But it is really, really handy just to have a thermometer. You can just either clip in to the side of your pan or one you can just stick in the oil and just kind of gauge where you are. Um, yeah. And I'm assuming that it varies with the recipe, but what would you say is the optimum temperature for donuts? Usually the sweet spot is about between 170 to 180. Sweet spot, nice little pun there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 170 to 180 and you will be good. So just as long as you kind of keep it in that range, um, then you have a nice golden colour and it will still be cooked on the inside as well. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's something that I found in the past when I have tried to make donuts. I say that as if I've done it loads of times. I've done it once and they were they ended up quite soggy. Um, so I'm assuming just sort of getting that oven, not oven, getting that thermometer and testing the temperature will avoid that and it will make sure that they end up crispy and fluffy and mm. all, all the good stuff. Yeah. 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 So when you make your donut dough, obviously we may be cooking for smaller numbers now with everything going on. Is is donut dough freezable? Can you freeze donuts before or after you cook them or...? I think some people do. I tend not to. I've not really experimented much with kind of freezing the dough. I'm very much a, I'm going to make donuts, I'm just going to make a batch. And it's that's, that's and they're, they're gone in a day, yeah. And it's gone. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of recipes are quite easy to just to halve. Um, it's quite, a, they're quite forgiving recipes. There's not like loads of ingredients, which are quite kind of awkward measurements. And so, it don't, yeah, it's really usually easy to kind of just halve a recipe or scale it down a little bit if you want um, a smaller batch yeah and um the the most important part for me the fillings all the toppings yes. what what do you prefer do you go for a classic do you go for a bit more of a you know eccentric one what what's your go-to donut recipe it depends but my probably top is I'm a custard donut oh yeah yeah love a custard I donut I love it it's custard or jam I'm going for custard yeah. all the time that is just my absolute favorite but even within that you can like there's so much to do with custards so like standard vanilla custard love classic but you can incorporate so many flavors like zests chocolate um some like purees as well so i do prefer a custard custard based fill-in to my demands is it awful to say i'm not a fan of chocolate donuts at all i just that's fair. Like it's not my it's not my top three, probably yeah. not my top five, ooh, to be fair. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Getting knocked right down. What are your top three then? So custard is number one. Custard, like vanilla custard, number one. Um oh I mean jam is a classic. 
if it's a filled donut and raspberry jam, not strawberry jam, raspberry jam. Yeah, and dusted with sugar as well. That really oh, takes course. me back to childhood. Standard. That's just standard. Yeah, got a dust yeah. with sugar, raspberry jam, and um, oh my gosh, oh, no pressure. Reason, I've had a really nice like caramel one. Yeah, so like a dolce de leche kind of with like that's been folded in with some whipped cream. I do quite like that as well. Yeah, whenever I'm buying donuts, I always feel myself sort of gravitating towards the one that have loads of toppings and really sort of intricate fillings. But then it just ends up too much for me. And sometimes I just want a classic. Yeah. 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 I think when it's got loads going on, like once in a while. Yeah. But for me, it's just like, I just want it simple. I just want good dough, a really nice, simple filling and sugar on the outside when you start to add like the whole kitchen onto the table yeah (laughs) you kind of just lose a little bit of like yeah the good stuff so I don't like too much on it so with fillings um I asked the BBC Good Food Together Facebook group what they'd like to hear from you the the expert and um Adam Parker said I'd like to hear more about savoury donuts I had a chili cheese one years ago in the States and it was the best thing I had out there. Have you ever had a savoury donut? I've had one once and it was like, again, cheese, that kind of cheesy vibe because that's quite, I think that's quite a nice way to introduce savoury donuts. But I think they should be more popular because it kind of makes yeah. sense. Like the dough, donut dough in, in and of itself isn't particularly sweet. There's only a little bit of sugar that's in the dough and you kind of add yeah, the sugar with the fillings and stuff. So it's super, super like versatile. Um, almost just like yeah like a yeah almost if you were like to deep fry a pizza and fill it kind of vibe <laughs> like pizza dough and like fill it I don't see why I mean there's no reason why it wouldn't work deep fried dough with like cheese inside I'm imagining something really cheesy now because I feel like cheese makes any anything better yeah yeah I think cheesy donuts yeah I've seen I did have one with like it was cheese and bacon that was good that was I've, I've never seen it. Yeah, that sounds good. Like <laughs> that would be a good brunch one, wouldn't it? Yeah. I've never yeah, actually yeah. seen a savory donut before. I feel like I need to go on a hunt now because it's it's really starting to appeal to me. When I first read the question, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. But they should they should totally be more popular. Yeah, they yeah. really really should. If anyone's I, yeah, a yeah. donut maker who's listening, then um, yeah, consider yeah. it. Spotted the trend, future trend. <laughs> Someone else, Jenny Pout, asked on the group, there's nothing more disappointing than a stale donut. Can they be refreshed in any way like crusty bread can? Ooh, that's a good shout. Sometimes if if it's not already filled or if it's like a ring donut, sometimes I might just stick it back in the oven for a little bit um, and then have it warm and just kind of put some ice cream on it or like some custard just to kind of moisten it up again um that's kind of like my go-to if it's already filled it's a little bit harder to kind of revive I'm thinking what could you do with that maybe like a donut like bread and butter pudding kind of vibe of like stale donuts that was amazing I I felt like I was watching magic there I could just see your mind whirring (laughs) and then you just come out with that (laughs) I was like what could you do because usually when they're still, they're dry. So thinking of like how you could add moisture back into it. So some kind of custard or cream, something like that. Stick it back in the oven, put some ice cream or custard on it, make a bread and butter pudding. See, I'm I'm not a baker, but now I'm thinking you need to maybe do that <laughs> so I can try it. Like create a donut bread and butter pudding recipe. That sounds right up my street. Wow. Very indulgent, but yeah, sounds great. <laughs> oh God, what would you what would you put on it? Would you like add anything with it or? Maybe like, 
maybe just some chocolate chips or maybe just really simple because the donut dough is already quite rich in and of itself yeah. with the custard as well just yeah keep it with some spices like some cinnamon or something for, for winter that would be nice um, what would you say are the most common mistakes that people make when they're making donuts? Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Um. So I think with the dough, it's probably not kneading enough and kind of, either just getting really tired or bored with the kneading and it's just kind of under kneaded and it's still it's not elastic enough the gluten's not developed enough and you can that probably need to read really kind of dense dough um or and not letting it not letting it rise enough i think again recipes can be quite vague until it's doubled in size and that's sometimes actually quite hard to tell um when it's actually like doubled without like mark unless you mark the bowl as just a guide um, so yeah, not proving it enough is usually um, a mistake that people make. And then with the frying, it's either like your, the temperature of your oil is kind of a bit off, either too too cool or too hot, and so you've got either a raw donut and in the middle and it's burnt, or just a really soggy oil log donut. So those are the three stages: kneading, proving, and frying. So once you have those tips down, would you say that donuts are fairly easy to make, or are they sort of they on the are. medium scale? I think. I they're, they're definitely doable I mean it, it does it's not a quick recipe and you do need to kind of give yourself time and it's not one that you want to just kind of rush and like bash together in in like an hour or so um but I think once you've got those kind of areas down the kneading letting it prove for enough time and then frying it at the right temperature then it's it's, it's a really doable recipe yeah I think that's something I've always sort of struggled with with baking when I was younger I used to bake a lot I used to bake so many cakes and stuff for my friends but as I got older, I think I sort of lost my patience, I guess, which doesn't really make sense. You should have less patience when you're younger, but yeah. that's that's just me. And um, I find baking quite scientific and there's so many things along the way that can go wrong that almost aren't salvageable. And I don't know, I guess it's sort of getting over that fear, which has led me to now finally being able to branch out and try new recipes without you know, being terrified that it's just going to fail and all the ingredients are wasted. But I guess it's just getting down those essential tips. And then once you've got them, it's sort of going from there. It's much easier, isn't it? Yeah. And even like you said, just allowing yourself to kind of make the mistakes. Because once you've made it once, you can recognise, OK, I did that wrong. And then you just don't do it again. And so you almost need to make those mistakes, especially in the beginning, just so you know, OK, when I when I didn't need it enough, this is what happened. When I didn't let it prove enough, that's what happened. And then those kind of instincts you can use in other recipes as well. So other bread recipes that have got kind of similar techniques to donuts, you can use that um, that knowledge as well. And it kind of is quite transferable, which is really helpful. Yeah. And even the other day I made bread rolls and um, the recipe was really easy. But after I had made them, I realised I'd overproved them. And that's something I never would have known in the past. I, I would have no idea what, would, what was wrong with them. I'd just sort of give up and say, I'm never break, making bread rolls again. But it, it's, it feels like quite a, um, an achievement to be able to diagnose what went, what went wrong totally, along the way. Yeah, I felt really yeah. proud of myself. Even though they turned <laughs> like, oh, out quite I did wrong. And then you don't feel as like crushed about it. You're like, oh, I just, I just didn't do that. Yeah, Fine. I can change that next time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So obviously, you know, all of this information about baking, but have you always had a passion for cooking? 
Yeah, like I've always been like quote unquote foodie. Um, always love like being in the kitchen. Like my mum used to cook loads, not so much baking. Um, she was definitely more in onto the cooking side. Um, but I just yeah had a sweet tooth and really enjoyed like cakes and tarts and biscuits and that sort of thing. And so kind of just started playing around in the kitchen myself. Um, just self-taught trial and error lots and lots of trial and error lots of mistakes lots of flops on the way um but I think that's just the best way best way to learn is just to get it wrong loads of times and then you don't get it wrong yeah yeah definitely so you say your mum didn't bake much so how did you teach yourself how to how to bake because a lot of people learn from their parents but obviously you were like you said you're self-taught so was that recipe books was that the internet sort of how did you how did you learn it was, yeah, a combination. I think I had like a couple of kids cookbooks that my mum got that I kind of worked my way through when I was young, a lot younger. Um, but as I kind of got older, like at uni, it was very much like social media. So blogs, um, like following loads of blogs, um, Instagrams, Pinterest, that kind of thing. And just trying other people's recipes, um, seeing how it went, trying to put my own spin on it. And just, yeah, a lot of online, less, less so cookbooks, I would say, when I was like at uni and stuff. Um, I use a lot more now, but back then it was definitely Instagram, blogs, social media, a bit of YouTube as well, just to like watch, watch what it's supposed to look like and then kind of practice myself. And I feel like these days we just, we're bombarded with information and recipes and so many amazingly talented people. It's just, there's, there's so many different ways to teach yourself now. And I find myself, you know, just scrolling through Instagram and I think, oh, wow, that person's cakes are amazing. And like, look at what they've created. And it's just amazing seeing the community of people that are sort of just so creative with recipes. I think recipe yeah, writing is an there's art. There's so honestly. much out there. Yeah. So, so much. Like whatever you want, someone's, someone's done it and you can find it online. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So what inspires you when you're writing new recipes and creating, you know, new cakes and bakes and everything like that? What What's your inspiration? I always kind of just fall back to like what, like the flavours that I really enjoy to eat myself. And then um, just think of kind of how can I incorporate this in a way that I've not done before? What can I pair this with that I've not done before? Um, and I also draw a lot of inspiration from like savoury, from my savoury cooking, which I think um, a lot of the time translates really well to baking and people aren't in ways that people aren't um, maybe aware of. Um, so I love using like fresh herbs and spices that I like most people would be comfortable using in savory and then trying to bring them over to the sweet side and seeing, okay, how can we, how can we like, I guess, season our cakes in the way that we would our, our food. Yeah. Would you, would you say you prefer sweet or savory baking and cooking? Mm. <laughs> Do you know what? It depends. It's one of those ones. It depends on my mood. Like I love baking as like relaxation and when I want to get really creative or just have some fun in the kitchen. Um, but obviously, you know, savory, I can't live off, I can't live off sugar, unfortunately. So <laughs> I've got to have a little bit of balance. Um, and so yeah, the savory side is fun for like when I'm having people around. Um, I love experimenting and like trying those recipes from different cookbooks and like different places around the world. So, yeah, it's, they kind of work in tandem together, I guess. Um, what's your go-to comfort food? Is it sweet or savoury? What What do you always decide to have if you're feeling like you need a bit of bit of comfort? Comfort food. I mean, if it's comfort food, it's going to be like two course. So it's going to be sweet and savoury. So it's going to be like, I love a roast dinner. Like, I love, love, love a good roast dinner with like all the trimmings 
potatoes, gravy, like good bit of pork belly cracking. That's mine. Is pork your go-to roast centerpiece? Yeah, yeah, like chicken and beef, but like pork. That's my that's my choice. First choice for a roast all the time. Um, and then pudding, like comfort pudding. I love a pavlova. Like, and I know it's not usually associated with like all comfort. You normally think all hot custard, sticky toffee, that kind of vibe. But for me, like, I love a pavlova, like, all year round. It's just, like, all the cream and then the meringue shell when it's, like, chewy and just, like, a big a big bowl of it. That is what I love. This is awful. I don't think I've ever actually had a pavlova. No. Yeah. Ever? No, I ever, don't ever. think so. I, I don't think so. I'm sort of thinking back in my memory, but I, I can't think of a time that I've ever eaten pavlova. Oh, I need to so change good. that, don't I? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's quite a summery dessert. Do you think you can make a winter version? Yeah, it's. I think people like instinctively think summer, but pavlova. I mean, for me, all year round, you can totally make it wintry. I do pavlovas at Christmas, like every year. Um, you can like add um, like figs or spices. You can put some like alcohol in the cream, like orange zest. So there's loads of ways you can make it more um, festive and like wintry. But yeah, it's all year round for me. Might have to make a Christmas pavlova then. We shall see. <laughs> Um, would you say you prefer baking food styling or recipe writing oh I'm asking you quite difficult questions about yourself no it's yeah because it's like they're so interlinked they are so like they just kind of work so perfectly together but I think mm, like it's a real tie between the baking and the styling I think the styling is fun because you get to kind of see the recipes on paper come to life and you can kind of, um, yeah, it's, you, it becomes visual and you can put your spin on it and just kind of tell the story about it through the way that you're styling it. Um, but the baking, obviously, that's that's also fun because you're, you know, you're physically watching it come together. Um, yeah. And that's that's also really exciting. So, I mean, they work so like they're so interlinked. It's, it's like, impossible to pick one side of it. But yeah. So your Instagram is incredible and the, the styling of the photos are, are just is beautiful. It's baked by Benji, if anyone lo- would like to follow. So what goes into the behind the scenes? How do you how do you style your pictures and what's your thought process when you're doing it? So I like to keep my photos just really, really simple and like stripped back, a lot more on the minimal side. Um, I don't tend to use like tons and tons of props and napkins and spoons and bowls and just all that excess stuff. I really like to let the food kind of be centre stage um, and quite, yeah, just really minimal and stripped back. And so I would just kind of pick like a plate or a bowl that I think is going to work really well and then like build on that, but just not without doing too much. Um, yeah, I think there's there's loads of different um, ways of styling and some people do like it more maximalist and more colour. But um, I think my colour palette's quite muted which I like and I think just it really I think your eyes just go straight to the food which is what I want it to go to and not any of the extra props and busyness going on so yeah I like to keep it quite simple the food is your focus yeah totally and um what what advice would you give for someone who wants to start styling or recipe writing and sort of breaking their way into the food industry I'd say try and like try and find your your voice especially with the recipe writing um it's like we said before there is so much out there already sometimes it can feel like I don't know what what's what am I bringing to the table that's new or that's different or not been done 
and it can be easy to kind of subconsciously um, put out things that's very similar to others or um, using other people's kind of tone of voice when you're just consuming so much of the time and it's hard to kind of uh, distinguish what what is you in that so I think just take some time to work out what you want to say what type of recipes you want to write um, practice 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 and practice some more I think having a blog is can be quite helpful even if it's not not something that you're trying to grow into this huge thing but just a way of practicing writing and um, organizing your recipes and having it all in one place and just kind of getting feedback from people that can be um, a really helpful way of just getting the practice in um, and for styling again it's practice 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 it's assisting a lot of other people a lot of other stylists just to kind of see the so many different ways that people do things um, and yeah just seeing how much kind of goes into shoots and all the behind the scenes stuff and I think from the outside it can just look like oh it's just put, just a pretty plate of food and you just kind of put it on there but the reality is it's it's not it's not the most glamorous <laughs> jobs a lot of washing up there's a lot of dishes there's a lot of practices there's just a lot of things that can go wrong and so I think yeah if you want to gain styling assisting a lot of different people um just to get a vibe of what kind of really goes into into shoots and getting getting those final yeah so at uni um just started a food blog and not as a way to just I don't know yeah make it something huge it was just I wanted someone to put my recipes in one place I wanted just to kind of put it out there to like a small community and see what people thought um and again just as a way to practice practice the way I write the way I structure recipes to make them easy to follow um and then with the styling yeah it was just assisting a lot of people and just yeah really understanding what goes into it I think yeah it's easy to have a misconception of yeah just putting food on the plate and then someone takes a picture and it's done but um yeah assisting really kind of gives you the behind the scenes of what how much it takes yeah definitely um did you live in halls at uni and did you live with- I did I bet yeah they loved first you. year I lived in halls <laughs> first year lived in halls and then like a house second and third year but um yeah I was speaking all the time just like oh yeah you know try this guys try this tell me think about this <laughs> it must it. have been like um when when I'm at work well when we used to be at work at Good Food HQ they just sort of all the cooks would just bring out I say all the cooks as if as if they're cooking for me um every all the cookery team used to bring out recipes and just say oh try this try that and there was just constant food it was it was amazing I miss it <laughs> <laughs> and lastly would you say that baking is as daunting as people think I think when you're when you're starting out, it can seem quite intimidating because there is a lot of information. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. And, you know, everyone's saying, oh, it's really scientific and it's all this and you've got to know all these things. But I think just get stuck in, just get stuck in and embrace that. You're not going to get everything right first time. Um, You are going to make mistakes. It's good to make mistakes and to kind of get things wrong. And that's how you become a better baker. That's how you're kind of baker's intuition improves and you're able to spot things a lot faster um so it it, it's, it can be a lot of information and it's just so the breadth of recipes and things you can make is absolutely huge but I think just take one section at a time maybe work on cakes for a bit and then move on to pastry try a bit of bread keep it varied um but just yeah have fun with it have fun with it and just embrace the flops yeah <laughs> embrace them I think that's definitely something I've learned recently I've had so many fails and I, I just I was so close to giving up but I just thought it's, it's fun at the end of the day and it's funny to laugh at yourself 
there's yeah, no point in taking yourself work, too seriously when it does work it's worth it because like over the first lockdown I was trying my hand at sourdough which is not something I'd ever really like ventured into before and I thought yeah gonna do it and it was a flop for a lot of the time at the beginning it was just like this is not working what is this sourdough business but the more you do it the more you read the more you like watch videos and the more you just practice I think the more I practiced it the more I kind of made the mistakes eventually it got there and it was like it was really rewarding to know that yeah actually a few weeks ago I this was awful but you know I've got an actual loaf now yeah have you got a um have you got a good starter going now Yes, I have. I have my little baby. Oh, <laughs> doing well. Does it have a name? It doesn't. And I know everyone was like, you need to supposed to give it a name. And I just couldn't. I was like, this is, I don't know what to call you. This is my, my starter. <laughs> just looking at it like, just literally you, flour there. and water. What do I call flour and water? <laughs> That's like, yeah, I, I tried my hand at sourdough and I just, I don't think it's for me. Maybe, I mean, got another chance of lockdown too. Maybe I'll give it another go. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. I wanted to give up a lot of times. I was like, I actually don't need to do this. Like I can buy I can buy bread. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that baking has sort of given you more resilience and more determination in getting things right and sort of pushing yourself past your your comfort levels? I think so. Like I'm definitely more of a perfectionist and so I want to get things right. Um and even though I may kind of go through periods of like I just want to give up, I persist <laughs> until I know okay, I've I've got it, I've mastered it. I don't need to be the best at it. Like I'm not trying to be the next sourdough master, but I want to know that I can I can put out a good loaf with if I put my mind to it. And so yeah, I think it does help with um persistence. <laughs> trying again, trying again, trying again until you get it right. Um yeah, so it does I guess fit into other areas of life. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I'm definitely going to leave this conversation feeling like I'm confident in making donuts. And uh, if I actually make them anytime soon, I'll send you a picture and you can rate them maybe. Yes, do it. So um, next time on the Rookie Chef podcast, I'll be learning about Kima Pav. Thank you. And that was the Rookie Chef podcast with me, Nadia Zirfat. To get the recipe and find out more, go to bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcast and make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcast to never miss an episode. <laughs>